Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. So how do we participate in the uh, Daring Proclamation over this last week? I wonder how we went and uh, were you able to proclaim kingdom thinking, kingdom declaration in your marriage, in your place of work, um, in your school, in your neighbourhood. Sometimes uh, that's not always just, and I think I want to say this particularly for all our generations, um, sometimes we've we've lost a little bit of confidence about proclaiming the good news of Jesus. and I think even as we're younger, we say, oh, we can't talk about Jesus, or it's too hard to talk about Jesus, or I'm not sure how to talk about Jesus. We might not necessarily start by talking about Jesus, but it's living and responding in the ways of Jesus. It's living in the heart of Jesus, it's living with the mindset of Jesus. Uh, and we all face challenges in that, but it's about the presence that we carry as much as the words that we declare at times. Um, there's times where we need to speak about it, uh, and times where we need to sit down with people, uh, but we want to. Well, I hope that over the last week you were, you walked in the knowledge that we are. You are someone who carries light of the good news. Followers of Jesus are those who declare, proclaim life wherever we go. I found myself walking past uh, empty shops down uh, Firebrae Street, uh, just declaring new life into business, Um, just saying, you know, asking God for healthy business, life-giving business, uh, sustainable and successful business to come into the city. Uh, Because if there's success in our city, there's blessing that goes out from that as well. So... um, that's one, of the, that's one way that I was doing it. Um, we highlighted last week the life conversation guide as one expression. You might remember uh, Lockie stood up here um, and spoke about the life conversation guide. So we thought we'd give you a, a bit of a, um, a taster of what that looks like and the simplicity of it, we hope. We live in a broken world, surrounded by broken lives, broken relationships, and broken systems. This brokenness is seen in suffering, violence, poverty, pain, and death around us. Brokenness leads us to search for a way to make life work. In contrast to this brokenness, we also see beauty, purpose, and evidence of design around us. The Bible tells us that God originally planned a world that worked perfectly, where everything and everyone fit together in harmony. God made each of us with a purpose, to worship Him and walk with Him. Life doesn't work when we ignore God and His original design for our lives. We selfishly insist on doing things our own way. The Bible calls this sin. We all sin and distort the original design. The consequence of our sin is separation from God, in this life and for all of eternity. Sin leads to a place of brokenness. We see this all around us and in our own lives as well. When we realize life is not working, we begin to look for a way out. We tend to go in many directions, trying different things to figure it out on our own. Brokenness leads to a place of realizing a need for something greater. At this point, we need a remedy, some good news. Because of His love, God did not leave us in our brokenness. Jesus, God in human flesh, came to us and lived perfectly according to God's design. Jesus came to rescue us, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He took our sin and shame to the cross, paying the penalty of our sin by his death. Jesus was then raised from the dead, 
to provide the only way for us to be rescued and restored to a relationship with God. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Simply hearing this good news is not enough. We must admit our sinful brokenness and stop trusting in ourselves. We don't have the power to escape this brokenness on our own. We need to be rescued. We must ask God to forgive us, turning from sin to trust only in Jesus. This is what it means to repent and believe. Believing, we receive new life through Jesus and God turns our lives in a new direction. When God restores our relationship to Him, we begin to discover meaning and purpose in a broken world. Now we can pursue God's design in all areas of our lives. Even when we fail, we understand God's pathway to be restored, the same good news of Jesus. God's Spirit empowers us to recover His design and assures us of His presence in this life and for all of eternity. A simple conversation guide that you can have with your friends over a cup of coffee with a serviette and a pen or items on the table. So uh, out of that, out of knowing that we are loved and we can express our love to others and the love of God to others. Um, and not everyone will receive it and it's hard if you feel alone in it, but it's also the truth that God has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. So over this series, over uh, the last few weeks, uh, we've been uh, looking at uh, the word daring and expressions of life uh, in daring living that would awaken and stir, provoke, rattle, but also encourage and inspire us to live out of a relationship with God as we've sought to encourage us in our daring faith, in our daring prayer, in daring worship, uh, in daring service, in daring proclamation, and this week in daring invitation. I was reminded and I guess struck with the weight of the, a couple of songs that we sung earlier in worship. Uh, I think sometimes um, we can sing the songs and we can sing them beautifully and, and well and they're inspiring, but they can also be songs that we simply sing without recognising the weight. I mean, two, two lines in a couple of these songs, we lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We laid down our lives for heaven's cause. If we thought about all that we carried into this room today, all the disappointments, all the things that we might even feel about the church or all the things that might be happening in our home, is that if we, if we laid it down so that heaven can be revealed through that? All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. And they're weighty words, aren't they? They're weighty words. Words that require sacrifice so that we can know new life in Christ and through Christ. They're not, they're not miserable kind of uh, words, but they're words and invitations into life. They're not words that were just designed to sing all nicely and we can go about our days. They're words of invitation, words that demand a response. They're gospel words, as we saw in that video. So I, I hope that you've been encouraged and we've, we've continued to cultivate a daring life that goes in hand, hand in hand with God's purposes. Um, so we come to daring invitation. Uh, many of us would have experienced the joy and the thrill of uh, having our children have their birthday parties at home. It was, we never found that terribly exciting uh, in our home. 
Um, it always came with some excitement about who we would invite, but then how many we would we invite. Uh, Andrea had a particular idea about what that would look like, and our children at times had another idea of what that would look like. Um, and then what our children thought the party might look like and the actual outworking of that party could often be very different. However, um, the, the excitement of inviting a, a few friends, who to invite, but also seeing the delight of those children receiving the invitation and having more girls in our house that squealed with delight at the games that Andrea played and invited them along, all because there was an invitation to participate. Of course, with every invitation, there's a risk, isn't there? That someone's going to say No. That comes with imitation. I've also um, been struck recently, if you've uh, been spent any time on social media, you know, you know you can be invited to events on Facebook. Uh, I was recently invited, this is the next stage of life for me, I was really recently invited to a 50th birthday party um, <laughs> to a woman I'd only met twice um, over Facebook. Um, and if you've heard anything about Facebook, you know that you can have an invitation and that somehow becomes 20 people get invited to, uh, becomes an invitation to 400 people somehow. So Facebook invitations, wedding invitations, I've heard stories more recently with it, wedding invitations. You know, in the good old days, uh, people used to send out their wedding invites six weeks in advance and that used to be enough time. And now you get a save the date notice and then you get the invitation. Uh, but, and then you get the Facebook invite invitation as well. But I've also heard of stories of people waiting, we'll just wait and see if we get a better offer. So like bride and grooms are kind of still deciding a week prior as to how many people may or may not show up which is costly, isn't it? Wearing a Collingwood jumper when I go on park run. See? Yeah. <laughs> but anytime I wear a Collingwood jumper, wear a Collingwood shirt, that is an invitation for people to make comment. <laughs> Whether they know me or not. I was running alongside someone yesterday who I didn't know, having a social conversation. He was visiting from Melbourne. And then we did the turnaround and I kind of came back facing him. And his comment as I walked past, run past, or I was running, uh, as I ran past was, I wouldn't have spoken to you if I hadn't known you were a Collingwood supporter. <laughs> this is the invitation I have of uh, wearing a Collingwood top all the time. Um, whether people know me or not, it's like an open invitation for people to make comment. In the church, in the life of the church, we think about inviting people to special events, services, or into life groups. But there's actually something more significant that we want to invite people into. So sometimes we think about inviting people to church in the hope that the paid staff, the ministry team, the preacher, they will convince my friends. They will tell my friends, they will inspire. We kind of stop the invitation at the event or the church service. But I want to reshape that and challenge that and think, encourage us to think about that. Not that we should stop inviting people, but understand why we're inviting people or what we're inviting people into. I was reading this passage over recent weeks um, and it struck me how much this was actually a step-by-step -step invitation. So let me read uh, Luke chapter 10 verses 1 to 12. If you've got your Bibles in any form, it's on the Version event. If you're following through, most of the scriptures will be there as well. Um, but you can also use old school scriptures if you like. Let's read this and uh, then we'll crack in, see what we can draw out. Luke chapter 10 
After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Now I want you to think about this in terms of everyday participation. You think about the places that you, you visit, the, the places that you're a part of, the places that you're already connected with. You think about um, work, you think about school, you think about the friendships that you're a part of, you think about going to the gym, you think about University of Third Age, you think about Probus, Lions, Legacy, Rotary, the sporting and community groups that you're already involved in. So let's reframe this and understand what I want to encourage us with as we conclude this series. And as I think about this message today, it's kind of like a summary and the invitation to go. You have already been invited to participate. You're already responding to invitations as followers of Jesus. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. Work is a practical expression and a God-given expression, a God-given uh, ordinance, if you like, instruction that we're in, you know, to go to work. We've chosen to participate in various community aspects because we're passionate about it or we're gifted in that or we feel like we can make a contribution. We've responded to invitations. Michael Wilcock, in his commentary on Luke, says Jesus calls people to come after him, to be his followers, disciples, learners, and as they learn from him, so he sends them out ahead of him to be his heralds, his messengers, and his servants. In both respects, the way must be one of better devotion to his cause. We cannot have one without the other there is a time and a season to come into the presence of Jesus there is also a call to go out and go ahead of Jesus <clears throat> so here's a here's a few points for us in terms of going out and creating opportunities for invitation as much as we participate and respond to the invitation that we receive and I'm just going to fly through kind of this is an overview, if you like, broad, brushstroke. We could go in deeper. Um, so we'll see what happens here. Invitation and proclamation comes from being near Jesus. Jesus invited his followers to be with him. He called people to him. He called people out of what they were doing. He invited them to participate in life with him, to learn from him so that he could send them out always to the benefit of others and to a growing group of people but invitation and proclamation comes from being near and following Jesus we need to know and understand who we are and who we're connected to and what Jesus is inviting us to participate in 
This is, we need to trust fully in the work and the power of Jesus. I mean, those, that statement, that sentence, do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. It seems to lack some kind of compassion from Jesus, doesn't it? And yet I think what is, what is being said is you need to have a single-minded focus about this. There's lots of distractions in our world. Have we got enough? Will we have enough? Will we be provided for? And sometimes we kind of get distracted by, by other people around us. Maybe they reject us. Maybe they stop liking us. Maybe things didn't go according to plan. And so we lose sight of what Jesus actually released us into. So I think this is quite simply an invitation. Have a single-minded focus about who God is, who we're invited to, who we are because of who God is, and then how he releases us. Um, share the work and recognize the dangers is how I put this. Uh, Jesus sent this group of people out and there's all sorts of theories about the 12 becoming the 72. But what I do love about this is that Jesus sent uh, the group out two by two. Um, I think we need to share the work and recognize the dangers because often we go about and we do our own thing without having someone share the story with us or remind us or warn us or care for us or call us back to the call of Jesus. I heard the story uh, this week of uh, Bethel Church serving in red light areas amongst prostitutes and going out on the streets and going in amongst uh, pubs and clubs and all sorts of uh, places that good Christian people might not normally go into. Um, and their, their philosophy, one of their philosophies is if you can't say no, don't say yes. If you can't say no, don't say yes. So if you're an alcoholic, you're probably not going to go and minister in a pub. Now you might have had a great revelation and a great healing that comes after you, so that's also another conversation to have. But don't do it on your own. We're not called to do this work in this ministry on our own. Put yourself under someone's authority as a spiritual father, as a spiritual mother, brother, sister, that says, I need you to hold me in wisdom in this, to pray with me, talk about your struggles, because the struggles not shared means that they're often suppressed in darkness and they become struggles of shame about who we are. We're a failure. I'm a failure. I'm no good. I'm a disappointment. God can't love me. That's shame talking. But conversations where we actually open it up and say, hey, this is one of my challenges, puts things in light and it begins a place of healing and restoration and ministry can come out of that. I love these words from Proverbs. Discretion will protect you. Understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. I think sometimes we've talked about accountability in the church. We want to stay accountable to one another. And it's, you know how good accountability is? It's only as good as you are honest. And what I've learned about accountability groups in the church is that rarely are people honest with each other, which is sad. I've heard stories of um, guys getting together and, and talking about their, their, um, 
their challenges in terms of what they're looking at or what they're viewing or even asking if they're staying faithful to their wives. Yes, 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 and yes, and oh, yes, yes, and yes. And then six months, 12 months, three years, five years later, they find out it's all a lie. They've been living two lives. But what if accountability, and I read this, and this isn't my idea, but it's an idea that I really like. What if accountability is actually giving an account for your ability? And we could actually talk about how we went and what our struggles are, and we're actually in a safe place where we could talk about that. Share the work, recognise the dangers. Because it is dangerous. I don't know if I'm going to, I might say it twice, but... um, Jesus said, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst the wolves. Like it's hard, dangerous work, ladies and gentlemen, if you're a follower of Jesus. Is it, are we tracking here or are we, I'm not sure, are we following me or not? I don't know what I'm going to do if you're not, but. You bring the blessing first. You are the peace. You, as, soon as, you, as soon as you walk into a room, are you someone who gets affected by the atmosphere of the room or do you affect the atmosphere? Do you get caught up in the, the, the nastiness or the nitpicking or the complaining or are you someone who shifts that into peace and light and life-giving? I think there's space for a safe space again where we need to be able to vent or blow off steam, but that's with those one or two others. But I, I love these words from Jesus. Um, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. What this doesn't say is wait to see what other people are doing before you respond. What this doesn't say is determine your response based upon how other people treat you as a follower of Jesus. Jesus says when you, enter, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. You're responsible for that. I'm responsible for that. What would that look like if we went into our workplaces and instead of thinking, oh man, that I carried the peace and I stepped into that workplace and said peace to this house. What would that look like? It might, if it only changes our mindset for the first 12 months, 18 months, 2 years. But if that was our mindset as we walked into it. You bring the blessing first. Receive the blessing of the invitation. There's reward. There's opportunity to participate in community. Jesus said, stay there if you're particularly amongst homes. And we don't always understand this because we don't travel to, around the countryside visiting other people. Hey, just here for a week or two. I just want to tell you about Jesus over the next couple of weeks. Feed me. It's not how we work. Um, but I think there's, you know, participate in the life. Participate in what's happening there. Participate in the blessing that other people bring to you. On the one hand, Jesus has said, don't take a purse or a bag of gold or a change of clothes. On the other hand, Jesus says, you will be provided for. Again, trust fully in the work and the provision of Jesus. I think the invitation is the opportunity. Um, Yeah, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
again, we carry the presence. And maybe it's a, a repeated um, kind of statement. But I, I think sometimes, and I know for me personally, I can kind of wait for the opening. I'm, I'm waiting and I'm praying, you know, when's the moment? And we should be praying for that. And it's important that we pray for the opening or the opportunity or the invitation. But I think if, if people are talking to us about their lives, that, that's an opportunity to, to speak life into them. And life might be, hey, you know what? You are loved. Hey, you know what? This sounds really hard, but I want to pray for you. Can I, you, know, you might want to pray for them right then and there, or you might want to say, hey, I'm going to go home. I'm going to pray for you. And then I'll catch up and we'll see if, we've noticed, if God has done anything. You know, I'd love to hear if God does anything for you or if he shifts an attitude or a mindset. The invitation is the opportunity. Working in community groups, bringing a different mindset and a different understanding of what heaven's cause might be in that moment. We need to do that with clarity and with wisdom and with grace and peace, but I think sometimes we're waiting for the opportunity, whereas the invitation is the opportunity. We are in relationships, we are in conversations, we are already involved. I, I can't help but think of Taylor Swift when I look at this one. Um, <laughs> it's okay to shake it off. Um, and now I've got the tune. Who's got the tune going through the head? Um, no, I'm not doing it. Oh, but the other thing is shield your heart. Shield your heart. There will be disappointment. There will be frustration. There will be people who will reject the message. And they might not even like you after it. And that's what makes it important to come back to Jesus. Shield your heart, shake it off and keep going. One rejection doesn't mean somebody else will reject you. Um, Luke chapter 10 verse 16. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Now, this is not walking in there telling everyone what they're doing wrong and how they're doing it wrong and how they should be following Jesus and being right royal idiots. If they reject us for being overbearing and demanding and not hearing them, and their story, that's just they're rejecting you for stupidity. That's not what Jesus says. He says, go and be faithful. Sometimes it's being a quiet, faithful, generous witness. Sometimes it's going the extra mile. And then sometimes in the midst of all that, people will still say, I'm not interested. Don't talk to me about your Jesus stuff. That's okay. Whoever rejects you has rejected the one who sent you. And we need to shield ourselves. We need to shield our heart. Again, that's what makes it important to travel this journey and participate in these daring invitations with other people because other people can pick us up. I've noticed in my marriage that sometimes when Andrea's feeling flat, I'm the one who's a bit more, no, we can do this, we can go. And when I'm feeling flat, Andrea's the one who says, let's go. Come on, no, we've got this, we understand what we're doing. Is anyone else married like that or not? Yep. That's why it's important to share this, these kind of invitations and proclamations with others. Because we go on our own, we get discouraged and disheartened really quickly. There will be some relationships that drift away and others will continue and that's what makes a shared relationship really valuable. 
I thought it was really striking that the rejection doesn't remove the kingdom. And these all need a bit more work. I've, this is, I understand that. When you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom remains. The seed has been sown. I thought it was cool. Look, I wanted to encourage us, um, I haven't written these down, but um, if you read through Acts, this happens so often. Listen, listen to these kind of responses. Um, Paul, I think it was Paul, or the apostles, had been put in prison, um, and they come out of prison, and they'd been put in prison saying, you can't teach in the temple courts. They get out of prison, they go back straight into the temple courts, and they're preaching there. Um, and then there's, they want to um, they want to kill the apostles, the the Sanhedrin, the temple priests. They all want to kill uh, the the apostles because they're not obeying the rules, so to speak. Um, that's spoken against, and they're encouraged to let them go because if it's of human will, it will just die out. But if it's of God, you're not going to stop it. Um, this is what this is what happens. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Right? Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Right? So they've called them back in, had them flogged, beaten. Um, the apostles left the Sanhedrin, the temple courts, the rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. I'm not always that good at rejoicing when... I get rejected. What are you like? And then day after day, so here's the thing, they, they, were, they were rejected. They were not only rejected, I mean, they, were, they weren't just say, you know, it wasn't just get out, we're not interested. They were flogged for it. Their skin dripping with blood and they walk out rejoicing. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they keep going. They never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Got to move on. Uh, again, in uh, Acts chapter 13, you can go and look at this later. The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited the God-fearing women. I love how sometimes there's details. Of high-standing and leading men of the city, they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Hang on, these guys were just rejected and cast out of town and they were filled with joy. Um, and again, in then some Jews... Uh, Chapter 14, verses 19. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, the place that they've just gone to, and they won the crowd over trying to get them to speak against Paul. Uh, they stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the, disciple, after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. He just played dead. And then he went back. Well, that's fantastic. I want that kind of courage. I want that kind of joy. 
These, these are stories to inspire and awaken us. And finally, uh, return to Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Be with Jesus. At, at the end of that passage that I read, Luke uh, 10, 17 to 20, Jesus replied, they came back and they said, this is fantastic. Even the demons submitted to us. It was a brilliant time. It was amazing. Um, you, know those, you know, you just have a real buzz and excitement. It worked. It's amazing. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Sometimes we get excited about the circumstances or the events when everything happens how we want it to or how we thought it could work and I think we need to come back and say, Jesus, here I am. I surrender all. I lay down everything, even the good stuff, even the successful stuff, even the stuff that I've done well, the stuff that I've done poorly. I surrender all for your cause. Return to Jesus, focus on Jesus, be with Jesus. Where have you been invited to share life? Who is one person this week, this month, this year that God has dropped in your spirit to proclaim and invite to consider the kingdom of God as a way of life? What would it look like for you to pick up one of those cards on your seats and write down, where you've been invited, this, where you're actually already participating in life with people, to write down one or two names of those people that you're going to be praying for and talking to a life group about, talking to your families about how can we encourage, how can we stir, how, can we, how are you going in those conversations, to remind one another, to give account for our ability, to live out of the love that Jesus has first shown us. See, as much as we are participating in life with people, we get to invite people to participate in the fullest, the richest, and the most abundant of life. Where can you bring blessing because of the invitation that you have received? See, because you are there, there is the kingdom. Because you are there, there is the kingdom. Invite people to be a part of our gatherings, Sunday gatherings, worship. Invite people to be a part of our prayer nights. Invite people to be part of ministries. Invite people to be a part of life groups. But more significantly, be always mindful and working, walking towards and working towards inviting people to know Jesus. Everything is about Jesus and for Jesus. So this is a complete package. Daring lives come out of daring faith, come out of and expresses daring prayer, is daring in worship and in serving. And as we connect with Jesus as part of the community, we step into daring proclamation and invitation for people to see and hear and participate in the kingdom of God. Thanks, team. Friends, the greatest invitation is that God's revealed Himself. And I wonder today if you've responded to that invitation for your own life. I know it's kind of a lot to take in and maybe there's one or two things that you want to place on your heart or that God has put on your heart that you want to take home, that you want to live out. But maybe today it's also about a moment saying, I need to recognise that Jesus is Lord of my life first. 
Maybe it is about that moment of surrendering all as we sing King of Kings, as we recognise that he is the ultimate rule, ultimate authority. What is it that we need to surrender so that we can know the proclamation of the kingdom and, and seek out the heart of the Father? But God's ultimate invitation, firstly, is that his heart is for you. His love is for you. He's revealed himself fully through Jesus. And he's made the invitation for you to come and know him, declare him as your Lord and Saviour, and discover the abundance of life that he has for you. And as we sing this song, whether that's you want to make that declaration that say, yes, I'm going to surrender everything to Jesus, I'm going to make him the King of kings and Lord of lords. Or maybe it's the declaration that I've held things back and I'm trying to carry things on my own and I need to surrender these things so that I can lay down my life for heaven's cause. I want to invite you as we sing this song to simply move forward and we'll gather people around to pray with you and minister to you and hear your confession of faith. Because it's out of the invitation that God offers to us that we are then released to go and share with others that invitation also.